Welcome to The Blossom Experiment, a podcast in which we talk about authenticity, intuition, and intuitive living. My intention is to inspire and help you tap into your uniqueness so you can create a life that is meant for you and no one else. With your host, Camille Minerbo. Hello, my beautiful friends. Welcome back to the podcast. I hope you're all doing well. On today's episode, we have someone who is so, so, so inspirational, so amazing. We have Kevin on the show. Kevin brings in so much vulnerability to this episode. I loved talking to him. His energy is amazing. You will feel it throughout the episode. We talk about how Kevin was so authentic to himself, how he hopped from job to job to discover his passion for podcasting. We also talk about the moment that he got everything on the external, but then how he felt empty inside and how he took the leap to believe in himself and believe in his passion. So if you are someone who is on this journey and on this bridge of wanting to take the leap of faith into your passion and you're not really sure how to figure it out or you're feeling really unfulfilled, this episode will really, really, really be perfect for you. And without further ado, let's just dive in. Kevin, welcome to the Blossom Experiment Podcast. I'm so excited to have you here and all of your huge energy that I've been feeling in our pre-chest. <laughs> How are you today? I am doing very well, Cami. Uh, likewise, I would mirror that right back to you. You have a wonderful energy. I'm excited to chat. I don't know where we're going to go, but sometimes those are the, the best conversations. Me neither, but you know, this is a little bit of life, so we we don't know where we're going in life either. So <laughs> I feel like this is going to mimic life. This conversation will mimic life. So let's just, you know, go with it. But um as I was telling you, I think that you have a very interesting story and I think that you've gone through a lot of different things. So maybe you can just kick us off and tell us a little bit about your story, your journey, and how you came into being the human that you are today. Yeah, it's it's very interesting. I was raised by my mom and my grandmother. I didn't know my dad. I didn't meet my dad until I was 27. So obviously that has shaped me into the man that you see in front of you. It's potentially positive things, also potentially negative things, right? Mm -hmm. I, all other things considered, had a fairly normal childhood. I'd play outside with my friends, nothing crazy. But when I got to high school, I remember really thinking that I don't want to go to college. I don't know what I want to do, but I don't want to go to college. It doesn't really seem to make sense to me. I think a lot of people are just going because their families are forcing them. My family's not forcing me. I'm not going to go. So I decided I'm not going to go to college. So I graduate high school and then I just, I got a job at the local gas station and I pumped gas and all my other friends were away at college and having what looked like the time of their lives. And I'm waking up at six in the morning, going and pumping gas until two. And I remember that was my first that was really the first time in my life where I felt very judged. There would be people who would come in from my school or girls I would have crushes on. And I, I just felt like they were all looking down on me. And that was a, that was a challenge. And that became an unfortunate theme in my life. So I ended up eventually leaving that job and I was a personal trainer and that didn't work out. I ended up cleaning bathrooms and floors at a hospital overnight. That didn't work out truck driver, forklift operator, went to the fire academy to be a firefighter. I did many, many different jobs and I never felt like I found my thing. I eventually got this unique opportunity in an industry called weatherization. So all that means is we go into buildings and we make them more energy efficient. So in schools, we'd work on the windows, the doors and the attics, that type of stuff. So I went from making $15 an hour to 
anywhere from 60 to $120 an hour just because, yeah, it was, it was wild. I said the same thing. There was a big wow when I started (laughs) that job. So I, in my mind, I said, this is the job that I'm supposed to be doing and I'm going to do this job forever because I never, I didn't really expect to make that kind of money and I didn't even know how I got the job. So if you fast forward a few years, I was 25. I had a great job. I had the body of my dreams. I had just won a bodybuilding show. My girlfriend was a model. I had a sports car. We had a new apartment. I had all the things externally that you could ever want. But internally, I was unfulfilled, unsatisfied, not aligned, insecure, all of the negative things. I felt all the negative things. My girlfriend ended up leaving me because I was just depressed, anxious. I was a shell of myself. And I decided I'm going to go all in on making money because more money equals more happiness and fulfillment, even though it doesn't at the time. I didn't know that. So the next year I spent 10 months on the road because a lot of our contracts were in other states. So I was in hotels for 10 10 months straight, basically. Got to the end of the year, opened my final pay stub. I made $100,000 at 26 with no college degree. That's what I wanted to accomplish. But nothing internally, as I'm sure you can imagine, nothing internally shifted for me. So I realized in that moment that for most of my life, I'd lived unconsciously. That year, unconsciously. The opposite of unconscious is hyperconscious. So I started a podcast called The Hyperconscious Podcast. I fell in love with podcasting as I fell out of love with my job. I've already reached the pinnacle. I don't want to do it again. So I start calling out of work. I start leaving the job site early, showing up late, just not, I was not a good employee at the time. And it got to the point where I was just struggling so bad because it's one thing to go to a job that you don't like and then come home at the end of the day. It's a whole nother thing to get into a van, drive eight hours, and then live in a hotel for the entire week and pretty much miss out on a week of your life for a job that you just loathe. Eventually, it got to the point where I was six hours away from home. I woke up in a hotel room getting ready for work. And the best way to explain it is that morning, it was like there was 10 televisions on in my head at the same time. And every single one was on a different station. One is saying you're stuck here forever. You can't leave this job. People like you don't get this opportunity. Never mind. Leave it behind. If you do work up the courage to leave, what are your friends going to say? If you do work up the courage to leave, what is your family going to say? And what are you going to do? There isn't really a plan B here. I never really created a plan B. And in that moment, I felt that if I was to take my life, I would take my problems with me. And I remember just sitting there feeling so hopeless and so helpless. And I ended up reaching out to one of my good friends, who's now my business partner. So it all it all worked out nicely. And I said, hey, Alan, I'm I'm struggling, man. I'm having these dark thoughts, these dark feelings, these emotions. I don't know what to do. And he said, Kev, over the last couple of years, your awareness has changed a ton, but your environments have remained the same. I think it's time for you to change your environment. He's got a lot of wisdom, Cammy. He's a very smart individual. So I ended up leaving that job three or four months later and then going full-time into podcasting in 2018. And that was long before, you know, nobody was listening. Nobody cared. We didn't have a business. We weren't making money, any of that. So the next six years were really how do I become successful at this? And that really is kind of leading us up to where we are today. Wow. Wow. I have so many questions about so many things. (laughs) Um, 
the first thing that I really wanted to, I don't, I don't even know if you've ever thought about that, but I tend to look at life. And when I hear other people's stories, I tend to look at life as if everything in life is a manifestation and it's a reflection of whatever you're feeling inwards. And it's so interesting that even when you were feeling so much low self-worth, you still manifested an opportunity that in a way was bringing you so much more money it wasn't bringing you necessarily the fulfillment but it it brought you so much uh, money like it was a huge jump between whatever you were making before to whatever you were making then i don't know if you've mm-hmm. ever thought about what in your internal i don't know what in your subconscious or how you manifested that opportunity in the first place how did it came into being how do you think that your internal world reflected that to bring that in and call that in yeah, that's that's beautiful, beautifully said, and and very very deep. I was broke at the time, and my girlfriend, her aunt, was part of this job fair, mm. and I went to this job fair because I was like, I don't have anything going on. I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. Let me try to figure something out. And there was this class on weatherization, and I remember thinking, I like to work with my hands. Let me do this. So I think it was like a four day class or something. I took the class, I quote unquote graduated. And then at the end, uh, right, there wasn't, there wasn't a lot of graduation. At the end, I did my exit interview with the person who was running it. And she said, you have a really great personality. We're going to connect you with the best company here. And I was like, okay, I don't know what that means. And, and I almost didn't take the job, Cammie. So I said, okay, what is, can you explain to me what it's about? And she said, well, yeah, it's completely different than everything you just learned. Like you're not going to be working on houses. You're going to be working on buildings. There's a lot of travel. The office is an hour away, but you're going to be making $60 an hour. And I was like, you're not serious. There's no way. There's no possibility this is going to happen. This isn't real. This is not real life. So I left and I said, I'll take a meeting with them. I don't think it's going to go anywhere, but I'll take a meeting. And I met. I ended up getting an interview with my boss and he said the same thing. He said, you have a really great personality. I'm going to jump you to the front of the line and you can come down to the next job in a couple months. And I was like, most likely not going to happen. You know, cool. Sounds good, but I can't picture it happening. And then the second time I ever met my boss, I got in a vehicle with him. We drove eight hours from Massachusetts to Delaware, moved into a house with seven other strangers that we had rented. And then I proceeded to learn how to do a job I'd never done before. And that was like one of the scariest things. I've ever done in my entire life. But one of the reasons was I was broke. I I remember the first week I literally got bread, turkey, cheese, and chips because that's all I could afford. I didn't have any money. I could barely I could barely eat for the first week. So I really think at the end of the day I've always had two thoughts. If you're a good person, good things can happen. I've always believed that. Now Does it always work that way? No, unfortunately not. My other belief was if I work really hard, that will get noticed. And if you can balance those two things, I think you're probably in a a better position than if you didn't. So yeah, to your to your point, I would say it's that. It's I tried to have a positive personality and just be a good person. I've always tried to be a good person. And I've tried to work hard because I think people recognize hard work. Yeah, it's so interesting that both mention your personality both people as if it was a huge differential in 
in like the job or 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 your life and i i'm i'm pretty sure that this is a part of why your soul chose to be in this life in this way as well um, because also in regards to a podcasting environment the personality that you have also carries a certain energy to the people who are listening so yeah. it's almost like this is your kind of like your gift <laughs> like your personality <laughs> is your gift if that even makes sense it does I've gotten I've gotten a lot of compliments on it and again I don't know it's it's just who I am I just try to be a good person and but I think it's interesting because somebody asked me one time what's your legacy like what do you want your legacy to be and I said I don't know I'm not thinking about what happens when I die I'm thinking about what happens when I leave this conversation because most likely and I I hope this isn't the case I'm sure you and I will talk but most likely this is the last time you and I will ever communicate and I say this to people all the time. I may never see you again. If you're watching or listening to this, you may never hear my name again. For me, this is the legacy. Whatever you take away from today is all I have. That's it. That's that's how you're going to remember me. So I'm always trying to think of that with every interaction, whether it's going through the drive through or tipping the, the waiter or waitress. This might be the only time this person ever sees me. The last thing I want to do is make it a negative interaction. Like that, that stays forever. So I'm very focused on that. I love that. And so going back to your story, we were talking about how you eventually talked to your business wise business partner at the time. He was just <laughs> your friend. And after three or four months, you decided to leave that job. But However, I know a lot of people who are stuck in a job that they feel really unfulfilled by and they feel a lot of depression, they feel burnt out, but they're, they're so filled with fear that the taking the action and the leap of faith of leaving the job is so daunting that they don't really do it. So my question for you was, what were some of the either fears that you had to overcome or what were some of the processes or action steps that you took to make yourself feel safe or convinced, I don't know, or ensured that you would be okay if you left the job? So what was the just the yeah just the overall journey of the because i think a lot of people they talk about the before and after but they don't talk about the middle part and the middle part yeah. is where a lot of people are currently in and navigating yeah. the uncertainty and the fears and everything so i would love for you to just expand a little bit more on that yeah so i would be lying if i said i had any insurance and or certainty that this was going to work out i i do not ever advise the way i did things for other people because it, this was the hardest. I mean, the last six years of my life have been the most challenging thing ever of all time. Being, I was $35,000 in credit card debt. I couldn't fix my car when it broke. I got sent to collections for credit cards. When I was with my girlfriend before she was my wife, she had to pay rent. Every time we'd get food, I would just play credit card roulette, figure out like which one of these might actually work. I had very little certainty so I have my belief is that humans must have three beliefs in order to, to take a new action. So say you're out there right now and you're thinking, I want to take a leap. It must be, and you must believe, it is humanly possible. Is it humanly possible for me to leave my job and start a business? Yeah, people do it all the time. Okay. Is it personally possible? And that's where we have to talk, talk, uh, talk about self-belief and self-worth. And the big one, Cammy, and I think a lot of people get stuck here. Will it be worth it? I never believed I could do it, I but I knew it would be worth it if I could. 
That was always the belief I had. That is what kept me going. I doubted everything I did. I didn't believe in myself. I didn't think I was good enough. I didn't think I was smart enough. So I just kept going. I just kept trying. And I said, and again, this is part of who I am. I can suffer more than anybody else. I will just suffer Mm. longer than anybody else. And eventually something will happen. And my business partner was instrumental in that too. So this is what I would say. One, whatever your leap of faith is, is very personal. Your leap might be when you get off of a, a job that is very unfulfilling, you take out your camera and you go take pictures because that's what fulfills you. That might be your leap of faith. And you start there. And then you do that. And then you take pictures on the weekend. And then you start taking pictures for free for people. And eventually, a year down the line, you might have the opportunity to make some money doing that. One of my favorite things to talk about is you have to identify your mud. No matter mm. what transition you're going from to, there there usually will be some type of mud. My mud was being broke to the point where my mental health took a, a big hit. Your mud, if you're out there, might be working a job that you dislike for another six months while you do photography on the side or whatever it is, right? Personal training, dog walking, that. I, I think the leap is directly connected to the layer of mud that we're ready for. So I would say chunk down the leap into something smaller. When you're, I used to do a lot of rope swings when I was young and there are certain things you don't want to do the first time. You don't want to go to the highest thing and try to do that. You want to do the lowest one because you got to figure out if you can hang on. I think jumping from something to something is a really good representation of that analogy. Yeah. And how did you not, because for me, I don't know, sometimes my mind can be so strong that will make me doubt myself forever. Like this will never work. Stop doing this. You're a piece of shit. You know, you don't know what you're Mm. doing and all of the self-doubt. How in six years did you not give up? What was the, the belief that you were either working on or you were so focused on this one vision, this one goal, or you were, you had people that were holding a vision around you. How did you just not give up? A a lot of it was the identity. Really. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know I lean heavy on that, but when I was young, my cousin and I used to wrestle. I loved professional wrestling. I wanted to be a wrestler. And I remember he beat me with a wiffle ball bat pretty bad. Like he beat the hell out of me with a wiffle ball bat. But there was a little part of me that kind of liked it. And I remember he threw me into a thorn bush. And there was a little part of me that was like, ah, that wasn't that bad. You know, all things considered, that wasn't that bad. And I remember he hit me over the over the head with a metal folding chair. And it's like, there was a part of me that was like, if somebody's going to do it, I want to do it. Cammy, that's the best answer I can give you is my identity has always been I'm, I am, I'm willing to suffer. Um, I was a bodybuilder, right? So I know what it's like to, to quite literally not, not be starving to the point of not being able to find your next meal. But you know, when your body thinks you're, you're going to die because you don't have enough food. Like I've been to that level and I've worked out consistently and I used to train martial arts and I've been choked unconscious. And there's a part of me that likes that stuff. There's a, there's a dark part of me that likes to suffer. I don't know what it is. It keeps, I think it keeps me humble, right? Because life is going to humble you. You can choose to be humbled by it or it's going to do it for you. So I think one of it's the identity of nobody else is going to be able to hang on as long as I can. So 
if anybody can do it, it's going to be me. That's one. Two, my business partner is a genius. And when I say that, I don't mean he's, I'm not saying he's smart. Like he's an actual genius. He is something different than any person I've ever met. So there was a part of me that knew I was lucky. I don't know how successful we're going to be, but I do know if I'm on his team, I'm going to be more successful than I would be without him. That was always a, a belief I had. And then the other part of it for me was I love helping people. I, I love helping people. The, the opportunity to impact someone, I don't want to lose that. I can't imagine going back to doing something else. I can't imagine that. I cannot imagine. And again, this is my personal reference and, and perspective. But when I left my job, I went and saw my mom and my grandmother. And my grandmother said, you're going to get another job, right? And I said, I will never punch a time clock for somebody else as long as I live. I'm, I won't do it. I'll die. I'll die before I quit this. There, that part of it for me was I can't go back. I've tried. I've tried 10 different jobs. I hated them all. Isn't that a sign? That's probably a sign I should be doing something else. So it, I think it was really a, a mix of all those things. And I love this so much that I just wanted to find a way to make it work. Like find a way to make enough money to get till tomorrow. Find a way to make enough money to get to next week. That was my mindset in the beginning. I just, I was so afraid that one day I was going to wake up and somebody was going to try to take this from me. I was so afraid of that. And I just didn't want, I didn't want it to happen. You were so afraid that you were willing to suffer through it all to just keep it. I still am. I mean, it, that that's the interesting thing is like, I'll go on a lot of business podcasts and, and they always talk about, oh, you know, you should be, there's, there's certain things you should be doing that you're not. It's like, look, I'm not doing this to work less. I'm mm. not doing this to make my life easier. That's not why I'm doing this. There's a lot of, I wouldn't have started a podcast. I wouldn't be doing seven episodes a week if I wanted my life to be easier. I would have done something else. Yeah. I really want to help. I want to have an impact. I want to be able to inspire and influence. So even to this day, a lot of what we do is, I mean, we're putting ourselves under a lot of pressure. Now, again, I also understand that the pressure I put myself under is a privilege and I'm grateful for that opportunity. And there's a lot of people out there that are under pressure that they didn't get to choose. So I also try to keep that in the, the forefront of my mind as well. Yeah. And if you look back in on your journey to that person who was really struggling and thinking about taking their own life and mm -hmm. was their internal world was so filled with, let's say the mud, you know, that you were talking about, how do you feel like, nowadays your internal world differs from whatever it was then so what were some of the things that changed what were some of the things that you started cultivating more of in your internal world and some of the things that maybe are still there as well even after six years and feeling more fulfilled with everything i still get imposter syndrome for mm. sure regularly regularly and i'll share i'll share a funny story about that after but i still get imposter syndrome I still have moments where I don't believe in myself. Definitely. Getting up on stage is one of the hardest things in the world for me. Because I'm always like, oh my God, this is going to go horribly wrong. And everybody's going to hate me and I'm going to forget everything I'm supposed to say. I still have that. That hasn't become easy yet. Six years ago, I had a very fixed mindset where I was the way I was and there was really nothing I could do about it. And that has just evolved over time, right? Like when you do a hundred podcast episodes, I remember thinking, wow, I'm way better than I was in the beginning. I still feel terrible about myself, but I'm way better than I was in the beginning. And then when I got to 150, I remember starting to feel somewhat confident. Oh, I can actually do this. And 
I don't know. I know a lot of podcasters and I feel like I'm on the upper end. Interesting. Okay. How did that happen? Then 200. The reps really helped me just showing up and doing things long enough. That's been a, a very key piece to my story and my quote unquote success. The, the low self-worth I had in the beginning was a challenge, not feeling like I deserved any of this, not feeling like I was valuable, not knowing what my worth was. That was a challenge that took some a lot of time to get over and get through and setting boundaries and making small promises to myself and keeping them, writing down my wins every day because I would always focus on my losses and how I wasn't good enough. That, those are the things that I really had to overcome. The never feeling smart enough, right? I'm the, I'm the CFO of a business. I didn't go to school. I didn't go to college. I didn't go to business school. How am I the CFO? How do I track the numbers? That was always weird for me. I didn't, that doesn't make any sense. So I still have that. I, I went on a podcast recently and I was in the green room. So behind the scenes, getting ready to go on. And I remember thinking this host is a doctor for NASA. So this host is a space doctor. And I remember thinking, Cammy, there must be another Kevin Palmieri. There is no way this person, <laughs> there's no way this person is interviewing me. But then I, I thought to myself, when's the last time you felt this way? I felt that way like two weeks before because I went on a show where somebody was getting their doctorate in psychology. And I was like, there's no way this conversation is going to go well. This is going to be terrible. But I then I reflected on the last time I had those feelings. So it's that's kind of how it's been. I just look at the most recent and relevant proof I have. The most recent and relevant proof is I did a podcast right before this, went really well. Odds are this is going to go better than I think. And that just kind of become the, the theme of my life. But the other part of it, and this is the important part, I try to prep like I'm going to lose. So I try never to let that it's going to go better than you think, but I also want to prepare like I'm going to lose. I over-prepare so I can under-suffer, hopefully, at least in the in the micro, in the minute-to-minute. That's so interesting because you also meet a lot of people who talk about manifestation or neuroscience and everything, that they will tell you to prep your brain more for the identity of the winner because then you will align with that their identity and then your subconscious mm. will believe it and then you'll normally attract you know like the positive outcome so it's almost if you have to expect i've heard that a lot like if you have to if you're already the mind the brain is already going to expect something so why don't you expect the positive instead of the negative and it's yeah. so hard as a human to expect the positive because we're literally wired from our fight and flight nervous system to expect always the negative so it's so interesting that you do that but i feel like maybe i don't know maybe i'm wrong so i feel like maybe you almost do that as a way to calm your mind to kind of look at your mind and your brain and see it. it's okay and tell the and tell the, your brain like your mind okay it's okay i see you i know that you're afraid that we might fail or something like that so this is the worst case scenario quote unquote but you don't really get attached to that version of the story or I don't know, maybe that it sounds to me that you don't really get attached to that version of the story. It's I was reading a book recently all about what has made the best businesses in the world, the best businesses in the world. And one of the things that they all have is it's called productive paranoia, where they are super pessimistic with a lot of things that could happen. 
And I have that. That is me in a nutshell. So if you and I, say you and I were meeting up, say you and I were going out to dinner, I was going to pick you up and take you out to dinner. I would make reservations. I would figure out where the parking is. I would check the weather. I'd figure out exactly what we're supposed to wear. That's the way my brain works because I don't want anything bad to happen. It's only productive paranoia if you still do it. That's the difference is I'm scared of it, but I still do it with productive paranoia. So that's worked really well for me. Now, this is the interesting thing, Cammy. My business partner is the total opposite. <laughs> I am not joking when I say this. For the very first speech I ever gave, he had given a bunch more than me. He was literally doing his presentation, putting it together in the bathroom 15 minutes before we went up. And I'm I remember thinking, <laughs> are you him? Yeah. See, I remember thinking, how aren't, how did you, number one, how did you sleep last night knowing you were going to do this? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense, but he has such a high level of self-belief that he's like, it's going to go fine. And if it doesn't, mm. I'll just get better next time. It's not that big of a deal. For me, I want to win the game. I'm not thinking about the next game. I want to win this game. And a lot of people who are so focused on winning the game won't actually play the game. I'll play the game. I might lose. I've definitely taken L's and I've taken taken losses. But yeah, productive paranoia has been very good for me, believe it or not. I think that's so interesting. And that's why I love having this podcast and talking about authenticity as well, because I feel like nowadays with social media, especially, there are so many experts just feeding people so many advice that works for them and their personality and their lifestyle and the way that their brain works, but it might not work for someone else. So you are as successful as your business partner and you are both thriving in your roles, but you have one type of dealing with things and doing things and he has another one. And I'm so glad that you are not trying to fit into his mode and he's not trying to fit into your mode. So you're not trying to do the presentation in the bathroom because otherwise you won't be able to sleep because that's how your personality <laughs> is just unfolding. And he's not trying to over-prepare because otherwise... I'm sure it wouldn't go as well as it goes for him when he does it like out of flow. And for me, I'm much more like him. I love flowing with things. I'll buy a plane ticket like one day before the thing. I really don't prepare. I just trust that everything will unfold, that people will be there to help me. And normally that's what happens. Of course, mm. not always, but normally I tend to get exactly what I believe in. And I think that that is the important thing for the audience to note. It's you have to really work with your authenticity, with your beliefs and the way that your identity is set up in the now and set up whatever the environment is to make sure that you're supporting that instead of trying to show up as someone who you're not and then creating an environment like a fake, you know, just faking it and be like, I can be so flowy, but then internally you're not able, like anxiety, not able to sleep, you know? So I think that's really, really interesting. And how, and because you guys are so different, how has it been in the past six years to navigate those differences? Was it like really challenging in the beginning and then it became easier or? It's still, I mean, we still have our challenges, but we've, we've really just started to understand Alan's genius zone is different than Kevin's genius zone. So we'll literally say, if we're having a conversation, let me drive. Let me drive mm. means this is, this is my thing. And when it comes to the podcast, I've named every single one of our episodes, 1403. I've named all of them. Me. I drive. I drive there. When it comes to long-term decision-making, Alan drives. 
here's the baton, you drive, you're in the driver's seat. That's one thing we do today that we've been practicing for a long time. Unconsciously, we didn't really understand we were doing that, but whoever is supposed to be a leader should be the leader. Have no ego about it. It's not about you. It's about the success of the business and, and the impact. That's been very, very interesting. Alan has taught me a ton about business success, really business in success. That He's taught me a lot about that because that's something he knows very well. I've taught Alan a lot about people, emotional intelligence, and character. So I was very internal, even though I didn't think so, more internal than most maybe. Alan was very external. Alan's always wanted to have a company and do what we're doing today. I never knew that was going to be a thing. It's been challenging because Alan is... So if you think of it from the perspective of everybody has paradigms. So a paradigm is just kind of your deep belief of the way the world works. Some people have a family-centered paradigm where they spend all their time with their family, family first. I love my family. I want to be with them every night. Some people have a, a religious paradigm where they're focused on a religion. Uh, other people have a fun-centered paradigm where all we do is have fun. We party. Life is about fun. Alan's paradigm is growth. Alan does not care. I mean, he, yeah, he doesn't care about anything except for growth. Growth is his thing. He is the most growth-oriented person I've ever met in my life. It's all he thinks about. 24-7, he doesn't take days off. He doesn't want it. This is what he loves. I was more relationship paradigm, where I spend time with people because we're friends, not necessarily because it's going to create good results in my life. That has been one of the challenging things for us, and we've, we're just very honest about it. Alan and I would not work together or be friends. We wouldn't be friends if we didn't work together. And a lot of people, when I say that, they're like, oh my goodness, that's terrible. You should, you must feel some type of way. It's like, no, it's, that's why we're friends because we have the same goals. We're very, very different, but we have the same core beliefs. We have the same core values, many of them, and we have the same core aspirations to, to have the most successful self-improvement company on the planet. If that ever changes, something will happen. If I decide one day, look, I'm 47 years old. I've been grinding my face off for the last 23 years or whatever it is. I don't want to do it anymore. Then I most likely will not talk to Alan as much as I do today. So that's a that's an important understanding I have. But that's been one of the more challenging things. And the other thing too is we we want to be the best men we can be. So anytime that's one of the goals, you're going to have to have more uncomfortable conversations with each other than maybe other people. So we've had some really challenging conversations with each other, but it's helped both of us and relationships are about growth right? All of them. So that's what we're trying to to make sure we have in ours. Yeah, that's something that I was actually going to ask you as well, because when you were talking about your story, you mentioned that you reached out um, for help and you told him some of the things or all of the things, I don't know, that you were feeling. And it's really interesting because I think that men specifically, they have such a hard time reaching out to other men or to other people in general. They have thought they have been told that they can't express emotions, that they can't cry, that they can't be vulnerable and things like that. So my question for you um, is when you reached out to him and all of the other moments that you actually talk vulnerably with him and things like that, also because you only met your dad, so your male figure really, really late in life. How do you feel like you were able to actually do that? Did you have to overcome any internal resistance to actually do that? And do you think that you had to go through some kind of learning experience to be able to do this in a more 
in a more easeful way in a certain sense because especially as a man in this in that regard i don't know i had i already had the podcast so i was i think i was like maybe i don't know 10 episodes into the podcast and i had talked about some pretty serious stuff on the podcast and that didn't really that didn't really bother me i always kind of wanted to put my thoughts out there and i wasn't all i wasn't really afraid of what people would think so that was mm. that was part of it in the beginning i don't know where that even came from but what i will say is alan and i's relationship from the very beginning when we so i went to middle school with alan and we played spin the bottle with the popular girls in middle school in Alan's basement. <laughs> then we went to high school together and we weren't really friends in high school. He was very intellectual. I was a jock. We didn't really get along. Then he went off to college and we didn't talk at all. And I, yeah, we didn't talk for years. And then I ended up reconnecting with him at a party. And that's kind of how this whole thing tied itself back together. I always felt safe around Alan because Alan's not, he never judged me. Mm. Alan is somebody who, he wants what's best for you regardless of himself. If if I said, hey, I want to win, but I can't have you in my life, he would say, awesome, man, good for you. I want you to win. That's just the type of person he is. He's, he's always been that way. So I felt safe sharing emotions with him. This is something I always say, Cammie. A lot of people think about vulnerability in the moment that you need to express something vulnerably. Vulnerability is all the stuff that happens before that. It's you don't buy an umbrella when it starts raining. You have an umbrella for rainy days. That's how I think of vulnerability. The relationships that are the easiest ones to be vulnerable in are the ones that you feel the safest, the ones that you feel have the most trust, and the ones that you've been vulnerable in in the past. Those are probably the simplest ones. Alan and I had a lot of vulnerable conversations. I had already interviewed him on my podcast and we had deep conversations. So no, it wasn't that wasn't very challenging for me because one, I knew he wouldn't judge me. Two, I knew I was safe. Three, somewhere intuitively, I knew he would have the answer. I didn't know what the answer would be, but I knew he would have an answer that I didn't have myself. Oh, I love that. I think that is so important for the audience. Anyone who's listening to take away is finding someone who you feel safe with to share. And I think that the holding space with non-judgment, it's a really it's challenging to find someone who is like that in the world yeah. because of, you know, our belief systems and everything. So I think that is really, really, really important. Even to inspire whomever is listening to be that person, to be an Ellen in other people's <laughs> lives, you know. I try to be an Ellen in my life for <laughs> the people that I love because I know how challenging it can be to ask for help, especially when you're having such muddy and dark thoughts like the ones that you were having so yeah. i i really 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 love that and while we are talking about you and i and alan's experience in the six years as myself myself as someone who is a business owner starting you know to dabble into the online world and everything it first it surprises me that it doesn't surprise me but it's something that i'm inspired by let's say the fact that you didn't <laughs> that you didn't give up for six years because <laughs> especially i am very impatient so i'm always wanting things to 
just unfold in the next day, in the next second, and just get it over with and just feel stable and feel secure and have mm. everything in place. So that is something that, you know, that's why I asked you about. And then the other thing is, if you look back on your on, on this past six years, what are some of the key learnings that you had in setting up your business and in also strengthening your internal belief system that you can do it and your self-worth because that is something that I feel like for me it's one of the most important aspects of life it's like your internal world so how has this past six years evolved and yeah just the learnings that you had and how you shifted oh yeah one of the biggest one of the best business things I've learned is it's not about you it's about the person you're serving I know that sounds simple and it probably sounds super obvious, but I'm convinced one of the reasons many businesses don't succeed is because they make it about them. It's like, well, I want to work less. That's why I'm starting this. Then don't, I mean, if you go into something with the exit plan in mind, I'm willing to bet the odds of success are probably pretty low, right? This isn't about me. It's not, it's not. Now, are there many positive byproducts of what we do? Yes, sure. But it's not about me. The podcast is not about me. None of this is about me. That's one thing. I've seen that so many times. The other thing is usually you're not you're not talking to yourself. I say that to people all the time. You're not marketing to yourself. Because if you're marketing to yourself, everything you talk about would be completely different, most likely. You're usually you're usually working with somebody who's a couple levels behind where you are. Because you have the answers at the level you are, but you don't really know the answers yet for the next level. So that's something. Understand exactly who you're talking to because that matters. That everything you say is different depending on the audience and depending on who you're who you're working with. And then the la- the the big thing, the biggest thing that I'm really starting to understand now, I do not believe there's any such thing as balance. I think it's juggling. That's kind of my thought where right now I'm on a podcast with you. I cannot be at the gym and I cannot be with my wife unless my wife is on the podcast with me and unless I have an exercise bike under me where I'm exercising. Like, yeah, I could do that, but <laughs> something would fall if I did that. <laughs> it's it's juggling. Right now I'm I'm juggling the diet and exercise regimen that I'm on, my marriage, my family life, and the business. Everything is juggling. Whatever ball is dropping fastest is the ball that probably needs the most attention. Here's the problem. When you focus on one ball, another ball is going to drop. And I, I do believe it's kind of always like that because I worked really hard in the business for a year and I didn't work on my body at all. And I woke up one day and said, damn, I let myself go. Now I got to double down on fitness and I'm grinding my face off. I'm in there seven days a week. I'm tracking every calorie. I'm struggling. It sucks. I hate it. But that's what's necessary for me to get the results. So understanding that, just keep an eye on what you're juggling and just make sure the things that are most important to you aren't falling because this is a never-ending game. Business is an infinite game depending on what you're doing. The self-worth thing, I'll tell you, one of the things that's really helped me is going on other podcasts because people are always very kind and they always give me a lot of good vibes, good energy, and compliments. And I know that shouldn't really affect your self-worth, but it definitely does for sure. So one of the things that has helped me tremendously is just being around positive people who believe in themselves. 
Because when you're around positive people who believe in themselves, they're going to help you believe in yourself. And if they have high self-worth, let me say, rephrase, if they have accurate self-worth, it's going to allow you to get accurate self-worth too, because you're going to mirror that. And you're also going to be, feel comfortable actually owning your greatness. There's nothing worse than being in a constricting environment, trying to own your greatness, where people villainize you for doing it. It's very, very hard to, to thrive in an environment like that. So that's another thing I would say. When it comes to self-worth, the people that you surround yourself with are dictating how much you're willing to give yourself probably more than you, more than you give credit to. Yes, that's actually, that's completely true. I see a lot of people who they feel really small in the environment that they're in and they feel like they have to talk down to themselves and not really celebrate their accomplishments because they're so afraid of making other people feel small. Almost yeah. like, ah, if Kevin has this, then this means that I don't have the sli that slice of the pie. You know, we don't really see the abundance in everything. It's almost like a, it's a constant competition. So if you feel great about yourself, I feel smaller about myself because you know i don't know i don't know why <laughs> but yeah like humans are like that and i totally agree with you because i feel like that's also um a thing about the identity when you are allowed to celebrate your success when you're allowed to feel and to embody your greatness and to empower yourself of the greatness of your gifts of your passion i think that you start i you become glued to the identity of the great version of yourself instead of the small version of yourself and then you start you start making decisions and you start acting as if you are that person because you are that person of course but you are also other versions of yourself so i really really love that and but i do know as well how challenging it is to grow that environment you know and actually connect to these people because as you said i think that at least for me, the way that I see it, I don't do this podcast for myself in the now, but I do it for the 20-year version of myself who felt so lost, so confused, so stuck. She felt like she had to fit into a mold. She didn't believe in her authenticity. She didn't believe that she could be herself. She felt like she had to be whatever her parents thought that she had to be. And she had this big dream of traveling around the world and working at the same time and this dream of impacting people in a way but no one ever believed in her, you know, because they were always telling her that she should go down this one specific route and be in this specific box. Otherwise, she wouldn't be a valuable human. So, of course, nowadays, I know a lot of what I didn't know when I was 20 years old. But I also know so many people who are stuck in the same pattern of feeling oppressed and feeling like they have to be in like stuck in this box while they are surrounded by other people who are also just telling them the same thing over and over again. So it is a challenge to also shift that because I can, I can just uh, telepathically feel hear a lot of people asking, okay, but how do I meet these people? How do I meet someone who makes me feel safe? How do I meet someone that will believe in me? Yeah, it's, uh, it's the question is a challenging one to answer because the answer is challenging. It, here's the thing. Many people are focused more on attracting and not getting rid of the stuff that they've already hung on to for too long. That is the unfortunate answer. I, I asked myself a question one time. I said, are the people in my life the best from my past or the best for my future? 
Yeah, we used to go to high school together. Yeah, you are my family member. I've been there. I've had those conversations with myself. I've made difficult decisions when it comes to that stuff because we're so worried about what we're going to attract when we don't realize that sometimes the void that we actually need to create for somebody to actually come in. So it's a challenge. But one of the one of the simple answers is you become the person who is capable of attracting and sustaining that relationship. I know, I know, Kev, what do you do? I know, I understand. It's not the best answer in terms of tactics. You go, okay, the best tactical tactical advice I can give is you go to the places where those people are. When I go to the gym, who do you think I'm going to meet? I'm going to meet fit people who are into fitness, similar core values, similar core beliefs. Awesome. Similar core aspiration. They probably want to get in better shape. Most likely, it would be pretty easy for me to meet somebody at the gym and become friends with them. Where am I not going to meet somebody that shares my beliefs and everything? Probably at a bar. I'm not saying bars are bad. I'm not saying I don't have a whiskey every once in a while. I do. But when you go to the bar, you're usually not talking about the universe. We're not usually talking cameo like this. This just usually isn't how it goes. That is what I would say. I would say, what are the, what are your top three core beliefs, top three core values and top three core aspirations? And what would the geography of those locations be if they were on a map? That's a really, really good place to start. But ask yourself who in my life is holding space that they do not deserve. That is another really good thing because I believe human beings, and I am so guilty of this in the past, we convince ourselves that having negative energy in our lives is better than being alone. And I don't know if that's true. I don't think it's true for most of us. I love that. And how do we become the person in alignment to attract these people? (laughs) You practice self-improvement. You work on yourself. You, You look and ask yourself about your limiting beliefs. You do research on your trauma. You get a coach. You get a therapist. You buy books. You download audiobooks. You watch YouTube videos. You do the work. You do the work. The work is personal. It depends on on who you are, but that. I, I have a lot of friends that are podcasters. Why? Because I'm a quote-unquote successful podcaster, right? That's That's the people I'm capable of attracting. It makes sense. But that took me six years of learning podcasting, learning business. So same thing. Yeah, I would say double down on your own self-improvement, your own personal development. This is another, we'll connect this to the question about business before. Most people's businesses will not grow beyond their level of self-improvement. So I think your relationships are probably very similar as well. So yeah, working on yourself is the answer. Unfortunately, you know, that it's a challenging answer and it's not super specific, but that's what I would say. No, I really, really, I totally agree with that. And I know that you talk a lot about self-improvement and I think you say self-improvement without bullshit or something like that. <laughs> Heart-driven, uh, I, I but was no re- BS. Yes. <laughs> Um, I was really, really curious about what was maybe one of the top, I don't know, two or three tools that you've used in the past that really have helped your you doing the work and doing this self-improvement work. I ask myself why. That, that was the very beginning for me. My self-improvement journey started me asking myself why. So in I've already done this many times during our interview. Why do I feel so comfortable? Why do I feel so safe? I feel very energetically connected. Why, why, why? It's very clear that you're a very conscious individual who's done a lot of work on yourself. 
I'm always going through that in my mind, mm. but it, it started me from, it started from me doing an interview like this. And then afterwards saying, okay, why did that feel good? Mm. Oh, okay. I felt safe. I felt safe to be vulnerable. I just felt on. I don't know. I felt like I was connecting my thoughts really well. All right, cool. Let me go through all those things. So number one, ask yourself why before, during, and after anything. And if you're willing to dig, you can come up with a lot of good stuff. I also have been tracking my habits every single day for the last six years, maybe. I don't know, something like that. It's been it's been a long time. So right now I have 26 or 27 habits that I track every day. I don't get them all done every day. Some days it's it's not as much as other days, but I know exactly what I should be doing every single day. And then one of those habits is learning. I've learned for 30 minutes every single day for the last six years. Every every day. It's it's a non-negotiable for me. I'm learning something, whether it's listening to an audiobook or taking a lesson that I learned from the business. That has been instrumental in the man you see in front of you because again, limiting belief of not being smart enough. What is the the combat to that. You go learn as much as humanly possible. What is the the combat to not feeling strong? You go get strong, right? So yeah, that those are probably the most important things I've ever done. Mm, wow, that's so obvious, but smart at the same time. Like <laughs> literally, <laughs> literally, if you have a belief, just take action on the exact opposite of that but then of course for you to understand your beliefs you have to ask yourself why to mm. inquire into that so yeah um so uh, it seems like a lot of things in your journey they started shifting exactly six years ago when you started you know having more intention with the podcast and also you left your um, your job mm. but I don't know, I keep thinking to like Kevin of six years ago and making this decision, you know, like this really big decision of I'm going to quit this job. I'm going to go all in in my podcast. I'm going to get Ellen to go with me and I'm going to start all of these 26 habits. How, how was there something specific that happened? Was it slowly that you built onto 26 habits or was it, I don't know, you were just so fed up with feeling all of the unfulfillment that you were like, I'm going to change my life from, you know, one day to the other. How 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 was that? Because I, I myself, and I know a lot of people who they really want to start a lot of new habits. They want to shift their lives, but it can feel really big at the same time, you know? So mm -hmm. I was wondering if for your personality it was something that was slowly or you just changed it all at once slowly and incrementally three words that i live by sustainability consistency and improvement so sustainability is where we start right you're not going to start you shouldn't start with seven episodes a week it's not sustainable it's not it's not sustainable for most people when you do something and you start it sustainably then you can do it consistently long enough and then you can focus on improvement with the consistency so here's the here's the best answer i can give in the beginning, I started with five habits and it was challenging and it felt impossible and I did not think I could do it. Then it got to the point where I could do five habits and I could record a podcast episode in a day. And it was like, okay, now we're, now we're on to something. Then it was five habits, one podcast, one coaching call. And every time, and this is the best answer I can give, every time it became doable, we stretched it so it was a little bit more challenging. And that's going to happen forever. Right now, I did a I did an Instagram story of this yesterday. 
yesterday, I think I had, I don't know, two coaching calls and I was on three podcasts and it was an e that's an easy day. Wow. Six years ago, I would have had to take a nap in the middle of the day, Cammy. I remember doing one coaching call. I had to plan everything around it. I had to have all my notes. Like, all right, let me see. I hope I can get this done. Every time it got to the point where it was easy and manageable, we made it a little bit more challenging. And that's how you get to, you know, 26 habits. Eventually, I'm sure I'll have 30. And then maybe I'll have 40 habits down the line. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But every time it gets too easy, we put it on a harder mode because if you're really looking to grow, growth requires resistance. And eventually mm -hmm. you get to the point where the weight, the proverbial weight that you're doing gets easier because you've been doing it long enough. You need to up the weight. So another gym analogy. I always use my gym analogies. Yeah. I, I feel like they translate really well. They do. They're the best. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then a big question for you, because we've talked a lot about feelings and things like that. And I can't imagine myself having your schedule. If I'm completely honest, I would be dead. <laughs> so, and, but I know that, you know, it's part of your personality. It's part of your identity. So how, how are you feeling right now in your present moment? Because before you were feeling unfulfilled and everything, how are you feeling really, really, really right now in your present moment? Very, very, very fulfilled, but also very, very overwhelmed. Yeah. Mm. I pretty much, I deal with overwhelm a lot, but again, I have a firm belief that that is par for the course, right? I don't expect this to be easy. And that's kind of my expectation. One of the questions I ask myself very often, and this has been really, really helpful for me of the problems that I'm dealing with today, how many of them would I have wished for five years ago? Cammie, mm. five years ago, I couldn't get on a podcast to save my life. And there was not a human on the planet, really, that was willing to give me money to do anything. So the fact that now I get to go on so many shows and we have so many clients, I just want to stay grateful. I still have days where I, you know, I might slightly get entitled internally and say, ah, oh, I wish I didn't have, why do I have to do this? Blah, blah, blah. But it usually doesn't stay very long. So I'm the most fulfilled I've ever been, but I'm definitely the most challenged I've ever been. For sure. Mm. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I totally get that. What would you say for someone who is feeling overwhelmed and like right now it's just too much to show up and they feel like they want to give up, but they know internally and they know intuitively that they shouldn't, that, you know, it's part of their journey, but they're just feeling exhausted and just defeated, you know? I would say that consistent 70% days are far better than spotty 100% days. So do what you can. You don't have to do it all, but do what you can. Try to move the rock a little bit. Maybe you can't do 100%, but can you do one thing? Maybe you could post on social media. Maybe that's that's it today, right? That Maybe that's it. That would be one. And then the the other thing I would say is overwhelm, I think, comes in a couple different styles. It could be the the momentary overwhelm of right now I'm in a season that's super heavy and I'm struggling to keep up. Or it could be I am consistently doing too much every single week where I get burnt out every Friday and I'm overwhelmed. So I think it's either limit the overall load and say, okay, I'm, I got to do less during the week so I avoid this pattern or find some sort of momentary escape. So do something mm. that fulfills you 
if you're feeling overwhelmed and super unfulfilled. Again, I know it's a simple answer, but I just try to keep things simple because I think we we overcomplicate things a lot. And sometimes the answers are almost too easy. They're almost they're <laughs> almost too, too simple, really. Too so obvious. Yeah, they're almost too obvious. That's what I would say. I've just seen so many people who they set this goal that is massive instead of setting some smaller goals that would actually serve them better. Mm. If maybe if you're overwhelmed, the goal is too big. That's possible. It's definitely possible. Or you're doing too many things or some of your other basic human needs aren't being met, right? If you're somebody who's certainty driven, you have a ton of uncertainty, you're going to be more overwhelmed than you would if your certainty was met. So there's a lot of things to check in on. Is it the amount of work? Is it the style of work? Am I getting enough sleep? Am I eating enough? Am I exercising enough? Is my relationship sound? There's a lot of places you can go when you're thinking about overwhelm. Mm, and that's, I think we go back to the why and to really getting to know yourself and understanding what are the pillars in your life that need more intention and things like that. And in while we were on this subject, how do you feel like you personally balance self-compassion with grow with the willingness to grow and to challenge yourself? Uh, my my favorite thought is when I get asked that grateful ambition. So self-compassion. I'm very grateful for all that I have. I'm grateful for the business. I'm grateful for a strong, capable body. I'm I'm grateful for that. Right? I'm I'm able to focus and be grateful for that in the present. But I am also very focused on the things that I am ambitious towards that I do not yet have. So I want to be in better shape than I am. Now it doesn't mean I'm not in good shape or I'm not grateful for my body. I want to be in better shape. I just do because I know it's I know I can and I've seen it and I've done it. The business is great, but it doesn't mean I don't want to grow it more. Right. The the podcast is great, but it doesn't mean I want to, I I don't want to get better. That it's it's the balance of right now I'm good enough to get the results I have. And I love myself. And intrinsically I'm a great human. But that doesn't necessarily mean I have the capabilities to get to where I want to yet. And that's okay. That's okay. I don't I don't expect that. So that that really is kind of how I balance it. And the other thing too is it's the level of our goals are connected to the level of our belief and the level of your standards are connected to the level of your belief. In some things, I have very, very high standards. So my feedback on myself is very hard, but it doesn't mean I'm not compassionate. It doesn't mean I don't have self-love. I'm out of shape right now. I am. In my perspective, from my standards, other people might not say that. They might say, oh, you're in really good shape. I appreciate that very much. But it's it's me. It's me versus me. I'm not doing it for anybody else. I just know what I'm capable of. That's on me. That's how I, I think of that. And I, th- I would say the, the last thing too is I try not to compare too much to other people. I won't say I don't do it because I'm a human being and I think that's par for the course. But I try not to compare to what I see from people because I have met a lot of people who on the surface are one type of way and behind the scenes they're completely different. I know you know we've we've talked with supermodels who weren't willing to do video interviews because they didn't have makeup on. I'm not saying that's wrong, I'm not making that wrong, but you'd never guess that if you saw them in the magazine. You'd say, "Oh, this person must be so confident." I've seen behind that. I've seen behind that. I've seen behind the scenes where people say they're super focused on their character and they're not good people. I've seen it. So I try not to compare to what I see, because what you see is not real. It almost never is. And it, I don't know if it ever will be. 
unfortunately. That's another thing that helps me because it allows me to be real with who I am because this is the real me and that isn't the real them. That's another thing I try to practice. And again, full transparency, even this isn't, I mean, this is as real as I want to be, right? But there, you know, I'm sure there's certain things that I wouldn't say on here. I'm not a million percent transparent. I'm very <laughs> transparent. I'll talk about almost anything, but there are certain <laughs> sacred things to me that I won't reveal to the world yet. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the same. I'm super transparent. <laughs> I always tell people, if you want to know everything about my life, you can just binge listen to my all of my episodes. You know why I cried, who my crush was uh, in 2021, what was the whole, you know, tea and everything. You can have the whole details of my life over there. Uh, I really don't care. But of course, there are things that I just, you know, I wouldn't share with anyone. Um, right. But <laughs> I, I, yeah, I think it's so interesting that you're that you're bringing this up in this way because I personally see the world as if we're showing up either from our conditioned self or we're showing up from our authentic self. And I think that when you show up from your conditioned self, you're showing up from an empty place in yourself. Like I am empty and I need these other things to fulfill me and I am not good enough. And that's why I need X, Y, and Z to become good enough versus when you show up from your authentic self, it's, exactly what you were talking about the ambition ambition gratitude i don't know how how, how did you explain it is it grateful ambitious ambition. Grat grateful ambition yeah exactly in which you already feel enough you already feel complete you already feel like you're whole and then however you still can grow from that place so you're not in this stagnant place of like I'm enough so everything can stay as it is but it's more like I am enough and I love myself and that's why I'm going to seek growth from this place and I think that it's a much more positive and personally I feel like it's energetically more charged to grow from this place of gratitude and positivity than to grow from a place of oh, I hate myself that's why I need yes. to go to the gym you know it's like no I can do better and it's just I think that the and I think it really shows in the results that you get as well that you get in your life if you're really grateful for something prove it that it's if you're really grateful for your relationship work on it work on it because you'll be more grateful for it if you do if you're if you're really grateful for a strong capable body use it use it Right. If you're if you're if you are grateful for something, you will practice it more. The mm. one of my favorite quotes, and we said this back in the day. I probably sound very arrogant when I say one of my favorite quotes is my own quote, but I don't know. I feel like I have some <laughs> good some good quotes sometimes. I, I just put it up. I there. I, um, I understand. You understand? It, it, we did an episode on. We used to do episodes around Thanksgiving because people would say in the U.S. at least we're going to focus on what we're grateful for. It's like, okay, that's cool. I mean, it's one time a year. What if we could practice that a little bit more? What if tomorrow you only woke up with the things that you said you were grateful for today? How many things would you have? For for a lot of people, it might not be much, right? I Again, my wife and I play the gratitude game every night, so I'd wake up with my wife, which would be good. I I have two cats and I love on them every single day. Every single day. I love on them. Because maybe this will be valuable to, to share. And this is weird, I know, but this is just the way my mind works. So I have a desk. You can't see it if you're watching, but I have a desk here. 
and I'm typing away on my laptop in the morning and I have two cats. I have Ace and Fudge. So Ace is the Bengal guy. Fudge is the, the, <laughs> the chocolate cat. He's black. Yeah. Cute. He, Fudge jumps up on my desk every, every morning and tries to give me headbutts because he just wants headbutts in the morning. He wants to love on his dad. Mm. He just wants to be around me. And I used to push him away. I'd say, come on, man. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm in the middle of flow. I'm trying to type up an email, whatever it is. And then one day I looked at him and I said, one, one day from, you know, long from today, hopefully you're going to die. And I am going to long for the opportunity to let you headbutt me again. And I'm going to miss you and I'm going to be so sad and it's going to kill me. Just let, I'm going to let you headbutt the hell out of me today. And I do that every day, every day, every day, like five hours ago, Cammy, he was in here and it was the same thing. <laughs> and I'm always, I'm always trying to think of that because again, most likely they will die before I do. What, if I'm really grateful, I got to show it. It's, you can say it, you can say you're grateful, but it's not the same. There's a, you, we don't, we don't say gratitudes. We feel gratitudes. That's it. There's a, there's a difference mm-hmm. between saying something and feeling it. So. Even you can tell, like I get emotional uh, emotional about that, but that's the way I try to think of how do I reverse engineer regret, right? It, how do I reverse engineer that? It's going to happen most likely. Statistically, it's going to happen. Statistically, my mom and my grandmother will die before I do. I need to be aware of that. Yeah, it's heavy. I know it's heavy. But I think that's why so many of us have regrets because we don't face the, the truths in advance. So I don't know. I felt compelled to share that. I know it's hardcore, but hopefully it landed. No, I really love that. And it's so easy to take it for granted as well, you know, take the things that we're grateful for and that we love for granted. And I think that normally the people that we love the most, they suffer, quote unquote, the most with us. So our partners, you know, we we feel so safe around them that we feel like we can dump whatever on mm-hmm. them. And you, we just have to really come back to ourselves and realize that we're grateful for them and that we have to show them as well and not just say it. I'm so grateful for you. And then next day, you know, you're dumping whatever you want on them, your anger on them and, uh, or your anger on your cat or something like that. So yeah, yeah, I totally, totally agree with you. And while we are, well, we're almost, we have to wrap up now. I also don't want to take much of your time. (laughs) Um, so since this podcast is about authenticity, I would love for you to share a little bit about what do you feel like showing up authentically means for you in your life? I would say it it means when you get that feeling of, ooh, I don't know if this is going to land or I don't know if the people around me are going to resonate with this or whatever it is, you do it anyway. And Mm. not to a negative extent, like don't be, you know, don't be an ass, but (laughs) yeah, that not, not giving a different version of yourself because you don't think people will like the real version. I think that's really authenticity. It's, it's saying who you really are, regardless of the pushback you get. Now, again, there's a lot of challenge that comes with that and that's not where you start, but I think that's what it is to me. One of the reasons I love doing these so much is I can just be myself. I don't have to pretend, mm-hmm. you know, I'll go on interviews and say, I honestly don't know. Alan came up with that. Like the habit tracking. That wasn't my idea. That was Alan's idea. That wasn't me. I didn't know you could do that. I never thought about that in my life. And then he suggested it and it worked really well. So yeah, just trying to be yourself because when you lay your head down on the pillow at the end of the night and you ask yourself, was I me today? And you say, yes, it's the best feeling in the world. It's the best feeling in the world. 
Yeah. And I love how this actually reflects on your story as well, because since the beginning, you were always so afraid of being judged and you, but you still were so authentic to yourself. You know, even I think the, the boundary, quote unquote, of saying, no, I'm not going to college and then being judged by that, but then continue on that path that was yours. I think that really reflects your authenticity. And what I just always tell all of my guests is thank you for showing up authentically because whatever you are doing in your life and you have done in the past, it inspires other people to show up authentically. And we need that, you know, we don't need more people feeding into a mold. We need more people showing up authentically and bringing their gifts and passions and purpose into the world so mm. thank you so much kevin before you head off i would just really want uh, for you to just tell us where we can find you how people can work with you if they want to if they feel it's inspired by your message they want to learn more they want to connect with you where, where people can find you yeah i always just say listen to the podcast it's far easier than anything else and you'll get to know us at a very deep level and just like cammy said we You'll you'll learn a lot about us. We talk a lot about what's going on in our lives. So just search Next Level University. We're on all the podcast platforms. We're on YouTube as well. And if you have any questions for me, you can just email me, Kevin at nextleveluniverse.com. I do all my own emails, so I promise I will get back. And before we go, Cammy, I just wanted to compliment you. You are a wonderful host. You absolutely crushed it. I felt very safe, very connected the whole time. So I'm very grateful that you're doing this and uh, your audience is very lucky to have a host like you. Oh, thank you so much. This made me emotional. (laughs) Thank you so much for for being here. Thank you. Of course. (laughs) Thank you so much, as always, for listening. I hope you enjoyed listening to Kevin and connecting with him as much as I did. And yeah, if you want to check him out, you can do so on the show notes of this episode. I also have a little announcement. So if you don't know, last week, I launched my new coaching program, which is called Intuitive Wellness, in which I am fusioning all of my intuition work and my intuitive sessions with everything that I've learned as a certified health coach, integrative nutrition health coach. So yeah, if you want to start nourishing your body from within and learning how to connect deeply with your body and your intuition and create wellness from the inside out this program could be perfect for you so i'm leaving of course all of the details on the show notes of the episode so you can check out the website you can book a free call with me in which we can chat so you can learn more about the program and how i can support you in your journey and yeah just go check out the website as well i have several other things there other sessions a little bit about me, a little cheeky um, information on a course that I'm creating and that will soon be launched in October. So yeah, thank you so much as always for listening. Thank you for your support. Make sure to share this episode with someone who might enjoy it and who might benefit from it. And yeah, I hope you create a very beautiful and authentic week and I'll catch you on the next one. Bye.